Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. On this episode of The Conversation Piece, we present The Walrus Talks Gender-Based Violence, made possible by the Canadian Women's Foundation and produced by The Walrus Lab. On the podcast, experts from various industries talk about supporting abuse survivors and changing a culture of violence that happens behind closed doors. Is the victim or the abuser more protected when it comes to intimate partner violence? While there is a need for justice, the family law system in Canada is not always understanding. Women often report feeling unsafe and unheard throughout the court process. Welcome to The Walrus Talks Gender-Based Violence, a series of episodes made possible by the Canadian Women's Foundation and produced by The Walrus. I'm Emma Mackenzie-Hillier. A woman's first point of contact with the family law system is often at separation. There is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to the impact of intimate partner violence on a survivor. The trauma resulting from the violence can have long-lasting effects on not only a survivor's mental and emotional well-being, but her psychological makeup. Pamela Cross is a feminist lawyer and an expert on violence against women. She works with women's equality and violence against women organizations across Ontario. Here's Pamela speaking at the Walrus Talks Gender-Based Violence in Toronto. Good evening. I'm going to ask you to imagine as well. I'm going to ask you to imagine a world in which that family wasn't killed in Sault Ste. Marie two weeks ago. A world in which four women in Ontario in the past week were not killed by men who said they loved them. I want you to imagine the transformative change we have to make to create that world. Good evening. My name's Pamela Cross, and I'm the Advocacy Director with Luke's Place. The term coercive control has entered the legal discourse relating to intimate partner violence, or IPV, as I'll call it, in Canada over the past few years. Coercive control is a pattern of behaviors, including psychological, social, and financial abuse that gives one partner power and control over the other. It often doesn't include any physical violence at all. Sometimes compared to gaslighting, it's a particularly insidious kind of abuse. It leaves the victim feeling as though she's the hostage of her partner. She steadily loses her autonomy, her entire sense of self, in an atmosphere of constant fear and terror. The term is now included in the definition of family violence that appears in family law legislation across much of the country. And it's slowly beginning to have a positive impact on how judges make decisions about parenting arrangements in families where there has been IPV. 
Now there's a push to create a new criminal offense of coercive control, as has been done in some other countries. I don't think this is the right direction to go. This is not transformational. That's certainly not what I would have said 30 years ago when I began representing women who had been victimized by gender-based violence. Then I was all for a criminal response. I wanted to see my clients' partners charged and jailed. I thought that would perhaps send a message to the abuser that he should change his behavior. But even if it didn't do that, putting him behind bars would, I thought, give her the space to find a safer life, validate for her that what had been done to her was wrong. However, over time, I came to realize that criminalizing IPV did none of these things. And as a result, I no longer think of the criminal law as a particularly helpful response. Applying it to IPV-related behaviors it's like trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. It just doesn't fit. For either the victim or the person who's caused the harm. Criminal laws work reasonably well for those who have developed them over the past few hundred years. Straight, white, cis men with money and property. And those with other kinds of privilege. They don't work so well for and often cause more harm to the rest of us, women, gender diverse folks, people who are differently abled, indigenous people, people of color, and poor people, to name just a few. Why would we expect anything different when Canadian criminal law is rooted in the misogyny, racism, classism, and colonialism of English common law? We have only to look at mandatory charging policies in effect across Canada since the mid-1980s for evidence of how a policy intended to protect victims of intimate partner violence has actually been used to further harm those victims. This policy requires police to lay charges where there's any evidence a domestic assault has taken place, whether or not the victim wants that to happen. Good idea in theory, maybe, but it has backfired in its execution. Some women have good reason not to want to engage with the criminal system. Others don't want their partner to be criminalized. Mandatory charging removes the woman's control over her situation. And in fact, sometimes charging the abuser makes life more dangerous for the woman. Finally, Women, especially those from marginalized communities, find themselves charged when they shouldn't be. This charge then follows them into family court, where it often has a negative impact on the parenting-related aspects of their case. When I think about criminalizing coercive control, and the government is looking at a bill to do just that this very day, I think of the negative consequences of mandatory charging and that's why I say, no, let's not do that again. Consider these few questions. Criminal law is single incident focused, but course of control is the opposite. It's a pattern of incidents, often extending over a long period of time. 
How likely then is it that charges will be laid and prosecuted and judges will be able to make guilty findings beyond a reasonable doubt? The players in the criminal system, from police to judges, lack adequate education on intimate partner violence. Given this, will they be able to apply and interpret a criminal offense of coercive control properly? As with mandatory charging, abusers will manipulate the truth to convince the police that they, not their partner, are the victim. Does this mean that women will be inappropriately charged and face the consequences and challenges of that? What if a woman does not report coercive control to the police? About 70% of women don't report other kinds of abuse. Is that going to be used by her partner in family court to discredit her claims of violence? Let me leave you with this thought. We need to urge the government to abandon its thoughts about creating a criminal offense of coercive control. Instead, as the Nova Scotia Mass Casualty Commission recommends, let's embark on a society-wide discussion about finding different responses to intimate partner violence. Responses that will hear and empower survivors rather than silencing and disempowering them. Responses that will allow those who have caused harm to acknowledge what they have done. Take responsibility for it. Make reparation and heal. Responses that will build safe communities for all of us. That's how we move from responding to gender-based violence to building a world free from that violence. Thank you. Pamela Cross is a feminist lawyer and an expert on violence against women. She works with women's equality and violence against women organizations across Ontario. Pamela supports Bill C-233 in its current form, but she is working for amendments to the Judges Act, which is included in the bill. It would see the inclusion of intimate partner violence and coercive control in the list of possible topics for judicial education. She was speaking at the Walrus Talks Gender-Based Violence presented by the Canadian Women's Foundation. To hear more of these talks, subscribe to the conversation piece on your favourite podcast platform. You can register for upcoming events online or at a city near you by visiting thewalrus.ca slash events. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.